The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Prayer of St. Francis. I thought that would be appropriate to begin this morning's homily. So we have this great scene, the transfiguration on Mount Tabor. Anybody been to Mount Tabor in the Holy Land? Okay, at least a couple of you, a few of you, great. Yeah, so it's, it's not a huge mountain. I walked it in about 50 minutes or so, walked it to the top, so it's not that high, but it is a beautiful view of the valley there. And Jesus took his three best friends, you could say, Peter, James, and John. And this, for them, was going to help them persevere when, during his passion in the Garden of Gethsemane, they would also see him very distressed. So much so, he said, that I'm at the point of death. So it was in anticipation of that very difficult moment that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him to see him in his glory. He was transfigured. So it was a kind of sneak preview, if you will, 
of his glorified body, of his resurrected body. And they heard the Father's voice again. They heard, this is my chosen son, listen to him. And the fact that the cloud was there was representative of the Holy Spirit. So at his baptism, the skies opened and the spear came down in the form of a dove. This time Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and they go up a mountain. They're by themselves. But it's another manifestation of the Holy Trinity to help them understand the mystery of God and his plan for all of us. And then you've got Moses and Elijah there. Two great figures of the Old Testament. Moses representing the law, the giving of the law, and Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived in the time of the Old Testament. So these two men are there as Christ-like figures. They were prefiguring, in a way, Jesus, who was the fulfillment of the law. And you could say he was the fulfillment of all prophecy as well. All of the prophecy in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. And so there they are, these two great men of salvation history with the one that they were prefiguring and pointing to, Jesus, the Christ. And so Peter is so overwhelmed. He says, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Like, let's just hang out here for a while. This is amazing. And then Luke adds here today, he did not know what he was saying. I mean, he was just overcome. Completely overcome. It'd be like having your childhood heroes show up all of a sudden in one moment. So for a Jewish boy, these were his greatest heroes. And now there they are with Jesus, his best friend, the Messiah. So it's an awesome moment. And I think the church offers us this opportunity at the second week of Lent, although it feels like Advent out there, amen? (laughs) It's snowing right now, look at this. So we get this opportunity at the beginning of Lent to be inspired by the one that we are following. And it's a great sign of hope for us. Although we know we're, we're headed to the cross, we're not going to forget that the cross is not the end of the story. And it's also a reminder for us of where we're going, that the resurrection completely transforms us We don't just rise with these same bodies, thanks be to God, right? But what do we believe? 
We believe that once we ourselves pass through death's door, that there's something completely new and otherworldly. We need to remind ourselves of that. We need to think about that every once in a while. St. Paul, in our second reading, very beautiful. He said, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we also await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him also to bring all things into subjection to himself. What power is that? It's the Holy Spirit. The same power that was at work in Jesus, who is a divine person, he's not just a power, but we ascribe to him this divine power. That same divine person, the Holy Spirit, is at work in us and is at work in the church. And he is the one who is already changing us. At least that's God's desire for us, for his people, for his church. That already we're being transformed by his grace that is communicated to us through the Holy Spirit, through the sacraments. You've heard me say it before. The goal of our Christian lives is not just to get to heaven. But it's to be transformed from glory to glory. To become like Christ more and more each and every day by his grace, not by our efforts alone. We have to collaborate with Christ and the Holy Spirit. But it's not by your efforts alone that you become more like Christ. How did Christ become flesh in the first place? In Mary's womb, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's a good combination for us. Devotion to Mary plus the Holy Spirit equals Jesus. Transformation into Jesus. Simple formula. But let's declare that here this morning. Repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I declare... That my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. We need to remind ourselves of that. Otherwise, we could get very depressed. If we think that this world is, is all there is. It's not. We're on a pilgrimage, brothers and sisters. We're all on a pilgrimage through time on our way to eternity. We're just visiting. We're just visiting. So we can't put our hope in anything in this world. We should try to love here and make it a loving place, a peaceful place. But we know that this is a valley of tears. And that Christ has prepared a place for us in the Father's house where he will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more violence, no more war. But this side of heaven, 
because of sin and because of the enemy of our human nature, that is Satan and his minions, we're in a battle. We're all in a battle. And maybe that's something that the Lord wants to awaken in all of us. We now see another war happening in Europe. Whoever thought that we would see that again? My brother priest said that last night. I'm like, oh yeah. Whoever thought we would see that again? But perhaps it's God's way of reminding all of us that we're all in a battle each and every day. A battle for your soul. A battle for your family. A battle for this country. And a battle for the world. We're all called to fight the good fight. To believe, to have faith. And so I just want to point out something real quick in that first reading. I don't know if anybody caught it. I've mentioned it here before. The Lord God took Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. What was so funny about that? I mean, of course, even in a night sky, there are so many stars, you can't really count them, right? But it was daytime. It was daytime. Because at the end, in the last paragraph there, we read, When the sun had set and it was dark. Did you catch that? So God was asking Abraham to do something that was impossible. To count the stars in the daytime. But you know they're there, right? Even on a cloudy day. We here in Michigan have to make lots of acts of faith that the sun is up there somewhere because we don't see it that often in these months. So we make an act of faith that it's there even when we don't see it. Well, that's what we're called to do in this spiritual battle that we're in. You don't necessarily see it. I mean, I see it as a priest. I can tell you it's real. I work with possessed people often. I've had the devil look me in the eye and say, I hate you. I hate you. I'm like, thanks. That's a compliment coming from you. I'll take that. So it's real, dear brothers and sisters. And you can be sure the devil's having a field day over there in Ukraine right now. And that's terrible. So what can we do? Well, last night I watched the documentary Pray. How many of you remember Father Patrick Payton? Father Patrick Payton? No? Okay. Well, he was famous in the 50s and 60s. He was an Irish priest. Joined the Holy Cross Fathers here in the States. And he had these huge rosary rallies. And he got all these uh, A-list actors from Hollywood to help him with his radio program. And he's the one who coined the phrase, or at least he made it popular, the family that prays together. See that? So you know Father Patrick. At least you know his legacy. So they made a little movie about him. You can rent it on Amazon or YouTube or whatever. I, I encourage you to do that. It's an hour and 11 minutes long, so it's not that long, but it's a docudrama about his life and how he loved Our Lady. He was miraculously cured through her intercession. 
he was going to die of tuberculosis, I think it was, before he even was a priest. I think it was before he was even ordained. But then he dedicated his life to spreading Our Lady's message of, of the rosary and devotion to Our Lady. And she said at Fatima, when World War I was going on, she told the children, this war is going to end. But if the world doesn't turn back to God and start praying more, a second, even worse world war is going to happen. What happened? Unfortunately, the world didn't turn back to God. It turned its back on God even more. And in the last, what, 70 years, I don't know how much more the world has turned its back on God or turned to God, but we need to pray like never before again for the end of this war, this scourge. War is like a scourge. God doesn't want it to happen. But when we take God out of the equation over and over and over again, there's a huge void. And guess who loves to fill that void? Satan. So he stirs the pot. And this is what happens. So I encourage you all to, if you're not already praying the rosary, pray the rosary for peace. There's no man-made solution to peace. Let me repeat that. There is no man-made solution for peace. Peace can only come from God and his grace moving in the hearts of men. And we all know that his grace needs to move right now like never before. And we can all do our part. Don't think you can't make a difference. That's the devil talking. So instead of getting consumed by the nightly news and all the latest updates, turn to God, turn to prayer. My mom even recognized it the other day. She said, you know what? I watched too much of that the other day. And it just it dragged me down. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. So don't get all caught up in the negativity, but turn to prayer and beg heaven to pour out graces upon the world. Ask Our Lady, the Queen of Peace, that she would gift us, first and foremost in our hearts, with the gift of peace. And then, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Amen.